We're continuing our study of our identity, and of course the first few weeks were who we are as humans made by God, and then now in this later portion we've been thinking about who we are in Christ, and we've sort of been using Ephesians chapter 1 as a general outline, and so uh, what we've learned so far, a little review, this is in your notes as well as up here on the screen, Uh, As a human, I am made by God, I'm broken by sin, I'm loved by God, and if I trust in Jesus as Savior, I am in Christ. We've been using that union with Christ as really a foundational understanding of what it means to be a Christian, and all of these other things sort of flow out of that. So we've looked at how we are loved in Christ, eternally, infinitely, perfectly justified. Jesus takes my sin, I receive God's righteousness, adopted a child and of God with all the rights and privileges of a son. Uh, born again, God has imparted his life to me. Favored, I stand completely in God's grace. Forgiven, my sin debt is canceled. My sins are sent away. Reconciled, I am at peace with God and redeemed. Purchased out of slavery to sin to serve Christ. So, Man, that is a list right there. That is good stuff. We have been blessed as we think through uh, what God has done in our identity. And uh, so tonight we come to uh, Ephesians 1, verses 9 and 10. And uh, I thought about quizzing you to see if you could figure out from verses 9 and 10 what we're studying, but then I remembered, well, it's right there in your notes. We're a member of his body, so that wouldn't have been a very difficult quiz for you. Uh, But let's go ahead and look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. So it says this, "...having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ." both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So uh, the question is, what is he talking about there exactly? You didn't see the church mentioned in either of those verses, did you? Or or being a member of his body. So when the Apostle Paul talks about this mystery, that's kind of a key word in the book of Ephesians. And that clues us in to something that is previously undisclosed, that God has revealed. So it's not a mystery in the sense of like difficult to figure out. It's a mystery in the sense that we didn't know it, and then God revealed it. And in the book of Ephesians, that word mystery refers to uh, ultimately the church, what God has done through Christ's death and resurrection in creating the church. And as the Apostle Paul goes on, you realize this is what he's talking about. So if you notice... uh, Just continuing on through this next section, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Notice what he says there. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Then if you continue to chapter 3, I want you to notice there that the Apostle Paul talks and uses similar terms. If you have uh, verse 2, excuse me, I just jumped right in. Ephesians 3, 2. If indeed you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me for you, that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I've written briefly already, 
by which, when you read, may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was made known to the sons of men, as it had been now revealed by the Holy Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that, so here it is, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. So it's this mystery that God is, this invitation of salvation has gone beyond just Israel. And now all who trust in Christ can be saved and is this new body, the church, the body of Christ that he has made. So I think that's what he's referring to in verses 9 and 10. And so we study tonight the fact that in Christ we are members of his body. All right, so we're going to cover, try to cover these things quickly so we have time for some uh, discussion maybe along the way too. Uh, so let's look at our first blank here. I am made a member by Christ. So actually, membership in the body of Christ in the church is, uh, uh, what's the term? Involuntary. It happens to us and it happens at salvation. And uh, our part is to trust in Christ as Savior. When we trust in Christ as Savior, The Lord Jesus makes us members of the body of Christ. And so you see this in Ephesians chapter 2, for instance. If you're still open there to the book of Ephesians, uh, Christ is the one doing the action. And so you see in verse 11, for instance, you were once Gentiles uh, uh, in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Uh, Verse 12, at that time you were without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant, having no hope and without God. Verse 13, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And he goes on in 14 through 22 to describe how we've been made one in this new body, the church. And whether we were Gentiles or Israelites before, doesn't matter. There's one new body the church. And so that becomes what he talks about there. And so it's a work of Christ. Um, This happens by what's called um, spirit baptism. So there's your next blank. We become a member of the body of Christ at conversion through spirit baptism. A member of the body of Christ at conversion through spirit baptism. So we'll use the phrase body of Christ to refer to what we would call the universal church. Everyone from Pentecost to the rapture who's trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. That's kind of the universal church, the body of Christ. And we are put into, we become members of the body of Christ when we trust in Christ as Savior through something called spirit baptism. Now, Jesus Uh, told us that he would do this. In fact, all the way back to John the Baptist told us that this would happen. He says, I baptize you with water, but he, pointing to Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so that's, for instance, John 1, 33. Then in John 7, Jesus unfolds a little bit more. He says uh, that he will give us the Holy Spirit when we believe. John 7, 37 through 39. Acts 1.5, Jesus tells his disciples again, but you will soon be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So it's still something coming at the beginning of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2, you have Pentecost when the Spirit fully comes and they are baptized with the Spirit. The Spirit being what they're immersed in, kind of like what it is for water, with water baptism, but with Spirit baptisms. And we're, we're, we're immersed in the Spirit. And that's what puts us in the body of Christ. So, interesting to think about. 
We'll look at a verse a little bit later, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Uh, actually, let's go ahead and go there now. Now's a great time to do it. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Somebody willing to read that one out loud for us? 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Carrie, thank you. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bound or free, we have been all made to drink into one spirit. Okay, good. So being baptized into the spirit by Christ, we become members of the body of Christ, members of the body of Christ, okay? So that's our participation in the universal church, the body of Christ as a whole. But the New Testament also makes clear that there are local gatherings of that body. In fact, that's the primary way that the word church is used in the New Testament to refer to local gatherings of the universal body of Christ. And just for a moment, think with me through the New Testament. Think through a lot of the commands uh, that we're given. The one another's, for instance. There's a long list of one another's. Uh, And you begin to understand the necessity of the local church. How would we, how would we really obey the one another commands to the whole body of Christ, all believers from Pentecost to the rapture? Well, we really can't, can we? But The local church is the place where those are lived out. In fact, in every letter of the New Testament, well, I shouldn't say every letter, the majority of the letters in the New Testament are written to local churches. And so when the Apostle Paul or other authors command them to such and such one another, love one another, bear with one another, he's commanding fellow members of a local church to, you know, get along and love each other. So uh, much in the New Testament is written in terms of local churches. So let's think briefly about that. A member, uh, we are made a member by Christ and a member of the local church after conversion through water baptism. Through water baptism. And we see this by example in Acts chapter 2 verse 41 after Peter preaches, this is right after Pentecost, there are uh, thousands, actually, that trust in Christ as Savior. And he says, then they were baptized and they were added to the number. And the idea is that they were actually tracking the very individuals that trusted in Christ. And they were added to the, the membership role, so to speak, of uh, the believers there um, uh, in wherever that was. That's slipping my mind right now. Anyway, doesn't matter. So they were added to the membership list is the basic idea. Local church membership. All right, so there you have it. Uh, Members of the body of Christ, and the assumption is also members of a local church. Now this means a number of things about us to be members of the body of Christ. First of all, it means that I have purpose. I have purpose. Um, So, God made this mystery known. We looked at that back in Ephesians 1, verses 9 and 10. He made it known according to the purpose of His good pleasure. So, there's a reason He has revealed the church. Uh, We have purpose. So, if you want to flip back to Ephesians with me, would somebody be willing to read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21? 
Ephesians 3.21. Rod, thank you. Whenever, whenever you get there, go for it. Church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay. So God created the church to bring glory to himself through Christ, what Christ had done. And so this becomes part of our purpose as members of the body to glorify God. We read that last week in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We were bought with a price. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit that has to do with our membership in the body of Christ. And so we are to glorify God in our bodies because we're his temple. We're members of the body of Christ. We looked briefly already at Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, but the church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. Isn't that amazing? Just listen to those verses again. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the body of Christ on the earth represents the fullness of Christ. Now that's hard for me to wrap my mind around, uh, but I think of it this way. Our, our purpose is to display Christ's fullness. So here's kind of an interesting thing to think about. If you think about all the members of the body of Christ spread around the globe at any one time, and the different ways that they display the character of Christ, right? we're actually able to see the fullness of Christ's character there within all those imperfect people, <laughs> but spread around the body of Christ around the globe, we see various reflections of Christ's glory. And the, the composite <laughs> sort of displays the fullness of what he's like. And so in so-and-so, you see some of Christ's patience. And in so-and-so, you see just glimpses of his mercy. And in so-and-so, you see his servant-hearted spirit. And in so-and-so, you see... And so as you begin to collect the body of Christ, you see reflected the very image of Christ. Isn't that cool? I think it's awesome. And so somehow, Apostle Paul can say, the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. A little bit mind-blowing, but we take it because it says it. So, yeah, it's good. Really cool stuff. So we have a purpose to display the fullness of Christ. Not only do we have purpose, well, actually, let me just pause there. Any questions or comments on those things we've covered so far? Okay, moving on. Uh, we have grace to minister to the body of Christ. Grace to minister to the body of Christ, to build up the church. So just a few things we will discuss here. Um, and a number of passages we'll go to. If I could uh, just toss some of these out here. Uh, who would be willing to open to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11? Richard, thank you. Uh, who would be willing to open to Ephesians 4, 7? Jim, thank you. Uh, who would be willing to open to 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6? Okay, thank you, Melissa. Uh, let's see, what else do I want? I guess this one's pretty close, but somebody to, to open to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Raleigh, thank you. 
that should that should get us pretty far for now. So we'll we'll just stick with those. All right. So we have grace to minister to the body of Christ. Um, another preposition you could use there, minister in the body of Christ. The, the only danger there is we don't want to think of that as just like in a building. So that's not the sense at all. The, the, the body of Christ is like the, the sphere in which we minister. And that involves both as we gather and as we go to the world. Um, and so it's members of the body of Christ. That's the reason we receive grace from God to minister to people. And that's both within our local church and beyond uh, to the full globe, ultimately. So uh, it's a tricky preposition to choose there, but I went with two. So anyway. All right. So first thing we learn is from 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Who had that one? As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards to the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks... Let him speak as the oracle of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as if to the ability which God supplies, in that all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So there again, you see the purpose of the church rising to the service to the glory of God in Christ Jesus forever and ever. And so the reason this grace is given to us, you see that at the beginning of verse 10, each of us has received a gift. Well, the word gift, uh, you may be familiar with the word charis. Uh, It's the Greek word for grace. And so it's built into the very word for gift. It's actually grace. It's to be favored. It's something we are given as favor. And so gift is a fine word for it, uh, but sometimes we get a little overly attached to the sense of gift. And so I really like to think of it as just this God giving us grace. Um, And grace is really deeply rooted into what it is. So it is a gift. That's a fine word for it. It's the same word used in Romans 6.23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, And so Gift is a fine sense of the word, but it's a grace gift. It's, it's God's favor to us to give us this help, this grace. And it allows us to minister. That's what you see in those verses, right? And he, he just lists a few examples here in Peter. If you minister, do it with God's strength. If you speak, do it with God's words. And he's just sort of explaining God's the source of our ministry, of our strength. It's, it's his grace through us that benefits people so that God receives the glory, right? It's clear that it came through me, not from me. (laughs) And that's an important distinction. Uh, And so the grace is given as a grace gift, and it's from the Lord and therefore also for his glory. Uh, All right, let's continue on. Next we'll go to Ephesians 4, 7. Who had that one? Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay. So to each one of us, grace was given. There again, you get that sense of grace. So that the word grace would actually appear twice in that verse. Grace was given to the measure of Christ's grace gift. <laughs> so you kind of see it twice in that verse. It has a lot to do with grace. But the key here I want to notice is that 
This grace is given... Oops, I'm sorry, I skipped a blank for you. This grace is given to every believer, right? So there's, there's no you know, withholding of this. It's not like there's some lesser member of the body of Christ who didn't get any, uh, <laughs> this kindness from God, this gift from God, this grace to serve is given to everyone. And Ephesians 4, 7 is a great example of that. Of course, 1 Peter 4, 10 says the very same thing. Uh, and the next uh, verse we'll look at highlights it uh, as well. Or excuse me, no, Romans 12, 6 is the one I'm thinking of. That highlights it as well. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, um, 4 through 6 next. Okay, thank you. So a few things that we notice here. Uh, this grace is varied and diverse. Varied and diverse. Uh, it's really interesting. Sometimes, I think because we get too attached to this idea of a gift, uh, we sort of try to pick out which gift we got. Sort of like at Christmas, you know, with the wrapping paper on the gift, you shake the present and uh, you think, oh, that sounds like Legos. So... Uh, I'm pretty sure I got Legos, right? Or, you know, so on and so forth. And so a lot of times we can spend um, maybe too much time in the Christian life trying to figure out exactly which gift we got. And that's why where I think it's helpful to remember this is grace from God. And uh, the important thing that's emphasized in 1 Corinthians 12 is that it's all from the same Spirit. And the gifts, the, the grace from God is varied and diverse. In fact, Every list of gifts is different. You ever notice that? Um, there's, there's no list that's exactly the same. Every list is different. That seems just highlights to us. They're just examples of some of the ways that God enables us to serve in the church. Um, and so it's not so much about, you know, tracking all the alls that are listed and figuring out, oh, I got that one, and then that's all I'll do in the church. It's rather uh, this trust that God's Spirit is the same one helping all of us to minister. And so I can rely on him. I know I'll have what I need to serve others. I'll have his grace and it will be sufficient to do whatever he calls me to do to serve and minister to others, which is pretty cool. So it's varied and diverse. I, do, I, I didn't assign this one out, but in correlation with this, I do want to read to you... Um, uh, Romans 12, 6, another parallel passage here uh, to what we've been studying. And it says this, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And he goes on and describes there's prophecy and ministry and uh, teaching and exhorting, uh, giving, leading, and mercy and cheerfulness. So there's, all, there's a variety of things listed there, but again, the point is, uh, differing according to the grace that is given to us. So it's grace from God that, that displays itself in a variety of ways and enables us to serve and give to others. Okay, so for instance, let's uh, hear 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Who had that one? Raleigh. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, 
but do not have love, I am nothing. And okay. if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Okay, thank you. And he'll go on and he'll talk about uh, the importance of love. We're familiar with this text. And then down in verse 13, he mentions three others, faith, hope, and love. Uh, but the greatest of these is love. And so uh, in the context of 1 Corinthians 12, faith, hope, and love are actually included, I think, in the gifts, so to speak, right? We don't think of those as spiritual gifts, but I think faith, hope, and love are also part of God's grace, ways that we display God's enabling in our lives. And so, you know, love is a manifestation of God's grace that all of us are enabled to show. So again, just an example why sometimes it's not helpful to pinpoint the one gift that I received, um, because I think God's grace shows up in all sorts of ways in our lives. For instance, faith and love. And thankfully, we don't have to have just one of those two, (laughs) right? Uh, God's grace, I think, allows us to have more than just one gift enabling from Him to show what He's like and to serve in the church. So, kind of cool to think about. Did I put that up there? Yeah, faith, hope, and love. If you didn't figure out that blank, hopefully you did. Yeah, so faith, hope, and love are included as these kinds of gifts from the Lord. So, uh, if you haven't turned to 1 Corinthians 12, now would be a fine time to do that. We're going to look at just a few sections here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we, we looked at verses 4 through 6, which you, hopefully you caught there. Um, in verse 4, it's called a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. In verse 5, a parallel statement, it says, there are different ministries, but the same Lord. So I think that's a good reminder. It's not so much the gift, it's about the serving. It's different ministries, but it's the same Lord behind the scenes. Diversities of activities. Again, it's about doing and serving, but the same God who works it all. So the point of these verses is that this grace is distributed by one Spirit or one God. He's highlighting the unity of the Godhead. And if you remember, unity was an issue in the Corinthian church. And so I think even as he highlights gifts, he's trying to help them remember, this is not to make schisms among you. This is not so you can say, ah, well, I have this gift, and no, but I have this gift, you know, and that from, you know, one's from the Holy Spirit and one's from the Father. No, he's just trying to make it clear. It's all from the same God, and it's not about dividing each other. It's about unity, and he'll get into that more in uh, the rest of chapter 12. We'll look at a few things briefly. Look also at verse 11. Bless you. Verse 11, he says this, But one and the same Spirit work all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. I think that's really cool because uh, this grace, and here's your next blank, this grace is distributed based on the will of the Spirit and need, need in the church. So the Spirit is aware of what's going on in the body of Christ and the members, and here we're talking again about a local church, so aware of the needs within a local church, and the Spirit is distributing this grace as He wills, meeting the needs in that body in 
in the members in that location, right? So, so here's an interesting question. Could a church, you know, look at its, look at its members and, you know, kind of look across their, their list of members and say, ah, you know, we're really missing this gift from God. We have, just have nobody in our church with the gift of encouragement. And so we just, we need to find somebody to join us so that we could be encouraged, someone who has the gift of encouragement. Okay, so is that a correct statement based on what we've learned about spiritual gifts? No, why not? Anybody want to take a shot at why that's not correct? Yeah, right. Or somebody that never had that gift before has now some fresh grace because this body needs encouragement. So somebody in the congregation is able to encourage because the Spirit will make them able, right? And that's the beauty of God's grace. It meets the needs of the church through the members of the church. And uh, it's pretty cool to think about. And that shifts and adjusts as the body of Christ uh, in local regions shifts and adjusts. Um, And that's pretty neat to think about as well. Uh, So a really great question to ask in, uh, in the local church is not so much what are my gifts, but rather how might the Lord want me to minister to someone? And then to trust that if he's leading me to minister to someone in that way, that his grace will be sufficient to help me in that task. Right? So it's just kind of an act of faith. All right, the Lord will help me. So when we think of spiritual gifts and ministering to someone, we're talking about Doing eternal spiritual good in someone's life. Who here has that power in and of yourself that you, by yourself, can make eternal good changes in someone else's heart and life? Anybody discovered they have that ability, their own strength? No. Good. All right. Excellent. All right. We're on the right, we're on the right track here. If anybody raised their hand there, we'd have some other discussions to have. <laughs> I try not to do trick questions very often, but... Yeah, none of us has that power, right? So anytime God uses a brother or sister in Christ to encourage your heart, let's say, you know, uh, somebody plays a, a special on the piano or just passing in a hallway, they give you a big smile and like your heart is just relieved and encouraged. Like, ah, yes, there's Carrie. I just... Ah, she's so encouraging to me. What has happened there? Right? You've actually experienced the work of God through somebody, another brother or sister in Christ, in the church. It's pretty cool. And God receives the glory. Anytime something eternally good happens in your heart, God has been at work. People don't do that. God working through people does that. He does that. Yeah, that's the right tense of the verb. Anyway, yes, pretty cool stuff. So the Spirit gives us what we need to be the body of Christ here in Grimes. All right, continuing on. Didn't mean to belabor that too long. I just think it's really exciting. Uh, Check out 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 7. 
but the manifestations of the Spirit, which is just another phrase for this grace, we're seeing God's Spirit at work. That's what it is. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For the profit of all. So here's another key idea about spiritual gifts. Grace is for the profit of all. It's to build up the church. It says, not for me and myself, right? So <laughs> when God's grace comes into my life, by its very nature, it is to be ministered to somebody. It's not just for me to hold on to and coddle, right? So again, Christmas, the Christmas illustration falls short. You know, we opened the package of Legos that we figured out was ours, thinking that, oh good, I can just play with my Legos in the corner for the rest of my life. No, we have this grace from God. The very nature of it is for the profit of all, to share the Legos. So share your Legos. If you learned anything tonight, share your Legos. (laughs) For the profit of all. Then in chapter 12, verses 12 through 31, I mean, if you could sort of summarize, it would be this. This grace though varied, fosters unity. And here's where he uses the picture of the human body, the body. And, I mean, he uses some what almost become comical illustrations here, right? So, you have, if you just look down in verse uh, 15 and following, just read these with me. And they are, they're kind of funny. I think the Apostle Paul has a sense of humor. The Holy Spirit does too, that's for sure. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, uh, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each of them in the body, just as he pleased. So the, the point is, that we're not comparing, we're not jealous, we're not looking to the eyeball and all of its ability to see and just saying, oh, I wish I were an eyeball and I'm only a foot, so I don't really count. What's the point? I'm out of here, right? Um, and his point is, no, actually, we really need the foot. <laughs> Thanks for being a foot. You know, and of course, everybody wonders who's the armpit of the church. <laughs> the Apostle Paul doesn't answer that question for us, so we'll have to leave it hanging out there. He does talk about smelling, however, so somebody is the nose. Maybe they can sniff out the armpit for us. (laughs) Well, at some point, of course, the metaphor falls apart, right? So the body of Christ is not exactly like a human body. It is a unique thing. The illustration Paul is making is to help us understand it's actually a really good thing that we're different and that God's grace is different in our lives. And it's okay if we see God use somebody else in a way that he hasn't used me, right? And that's actually a really good thing. It's a reminder that God's Spirit is at work. And I can rejoice when I see somebody else minister in a really cool way. And I didn't, but I can rejoice because I I saw God's Spirit at work through that. Cool. There's the hand busy at work. Now I'm going to do my foot stuff. And then I'm going to watch so-and-so do their ear thing and then the nose thing and so forth. And again, the temptation here is to to think a little too hard about, well, what am I? Am I a finger? Am I an elbow? You know, like, what's my role? I understand that. 
the key here is the unity, to appreciate that we're all a little bit different, but we're one body and we each have an important role. That's the point that he's trying to drive home in this text. Okay, so just a couple of uh, notes connected with that. I mentioned the unity thing. Um, We do not become jealous in our roles. We rather glory in our need for one another. In fact, he talks in verses 24 and 25 about giving honor to one another, to all the parts of the body, so to speak. So, for instance... um, I have a unique role in our church. I'm tasked with sharing the word on a regular basis. If God has used his word in your life through the preaching here at Maranatha, it wasn't because of me, right? If he did real eternal good in your heart, it's because God's spirit used me, little old me, and used the words of scripture to work that in your heart. Now, here's the question. Is that better or cooler than somebody who gives you an encouraging word in the foyer out there that encourages your heart? The answer is no. The answer is no. There is no greater honor in our roles in the church in the way that God uses us. Now, that's pretty cool. Every person, every act of service helped by the Holy Spirit is valuable and for the profit of the church. So that phone call you made to so-and-so just to check in on them and and pray with them over the phone is of extreme value because it's what the Spirit wanted to use right then to build up the body of Christ, right? So pretty cool when we think about. There's no looking down on each other as if there's like hierarchy in the church. No, we're, we're members, we all have different roles, and God's Spirit uses us each in in different and important ways. All right. Last blank here under this section. This grace helps us serve effectively. And that's sort of the theme of Romans 12, 6 through 8. God causes our labor to accomplish something of true value, eternal good in someone else's life that only the Spirit can do as he works through us serving others. All right, so that was just a little thing about sort of the grace that God gives us as members of the body of Christ. Every member has this grace, this enabling from God to serve. Any questions before we move on to the next section? Okay, turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. All right, so um, he is talking about the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice and how this is the once-for-all sacrifice. And so in verses 19 through 22 of chapter 10, he describes what the sacrifice of Christ has gained for us. We have boldness to enter the holy place. Uh, We have a high priest over the household of God. Uh, And so in verse 22, he says, Then let us draw near with full assurance. 
Then he has some commands in verses 23 through 25. And so, oddly enough, what I want us to glean from this is that we fulfill our roles in a local church. So if we're members of the body of Christ and we have a role in the church, interestingly enough, we fulfill those roles in a local church. Think about it for a second. How are you going to fulfill your role in the universal, worldwide body of Christ? There's really no way to. It has to be done through a local church because we live in one place. It's part of being um, not omnipresent like God is, right? We're unipresent. Is that the right? I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) one place at one time, right? So that means means our role is lived out through a local church. Um, So notice some of the things that ought to be happening in a local church. He mentions them here. First of all, verse 23, and these are not blanks, you just have them written there in your notes already. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And I think that confession is salvation in Christ. It's the gospel, the confession of their hope. They've trusted in Christ as Savior, and that, that when they trust in Christ, they're saved. And he who promised is faithful. So we hold fast to the gospel. This is something we do together as a local church. Verse 24, we consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Literally means we think about each other. All right, again, try to apply that to the universal body of Christ. Can't really do that. But a local church where you know who's on the list who's a member, who's trusted in Christ, that we can do, right? We have a directory. I'd encourage you, look through the directory. Actually, the author of Hebrews applies it specifically in verse 24 and says the way you consider one another is by gathering. By gathering. You don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Did you know that the word gathering, the word assembling, is actually the word church? That's what it means. We're we're a gathering. We're an assembly. That's what we are. I understand there are extenuating circumstances, um, sometimes a period or a season of health in someone's life doesn't allow them to gather, to attend. Uh, we experienced here a short season of not gathering just when COVID first started. Um, but the pattern of Scripture is that what a church does, I mean, it's just part of its very definition is that we gather so that we can think about one another and serve and love and encourage and admonish one another. And there's truly this sense of like seeing each other and remembering, oh yeah, I need to be praying for him. And oh yeah, she's got this going on. I wonder how she's doing. I should, I should talk with her, maybe pray with her while I'm here. So there is this just visual, visible reminder of the body of Christ and how we can care for one another. So we hold fast to the gospel, we consider one another, and we gather regularly. Now, obviously, you're here, so I'm preaching to the choir here, but I just encourage you, be faithful in attending church because it's what God has designed you to do as a member of the body of Christ, to show up at a local church, to participate, to engage, to be a member connect with other believers, to consider one another. Okay. Oh, man. It passed the 15 mark. Okay. All right. 
Last blank. I participate in the growth of the body. We look at Ephesians 4 a lot because it's really good. Uh, The key there is that every member has this grace. Every member does the work of the ministry, verse 12. And the church only grows as each member does his or her share. That's in verse 16. The church is built up as each part does its share. So just conclude with that. Um, Trust that God's grace is sufficient in your life to fulfill your role in the local church. And so a great question to keep asking the Lord is simply this. Lord, what would you have me do? How can I serve? How can I minister? Who needs help? Uh, Ask the Lord for that on your way to church on Sunday mornings. Lord, who could I be a blessing to? Who could I encourage? How would you use me today? Uh, Pray that as you come to church, as you get with people in their home, as you, whatever you do, just keep asking the Lord, Lord, how would you have me build up your body with the help of your spirit? That's a great way to fulfill your role in the church. Okay, sorry I kept you long. Uh, Close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the body of Christ, the church. You have created it, this great mystery to display the fullness of Christ on the earth, a light in the darkness. Help us to each fulfill our role as we depend on your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.